So I know we've been talking a lot about borders mm-hmm. recently. Yes. Today, I guess, Harris is supposed to announce they will combat the spurious quote-unquote border crisis, the mm. migration crisis, with new agreements from 12 companies, including <gasps> Microsoft and MasterCard, We're oh, saved. Yeah, to, uh, to do development in Central America. Yeah, it's um, such oh, a Herbert Hoover like throwback. What if the associational state worked? <laughs> really, the problem with the migration crisis is that Mastercard, until now, has not been sufficiently cooperative. <laughs> right, exactly. They've just not been engaged. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, this is the yeah. administration that has Gina Raimondo uh, prominently featured in it. So, you know, her big thing with uh, the coronavirus response in Rhode Island, other than like border checkpoints, uh, was getting Salesforce involved. <laughs> Uh, local Rhode Island com- corporation sales force. So Saving the world. Public one- private partnerships for all. <laughs> yeah, one partnership at a time. Um, the, Philosophers the- have hitherto only interpreted the world in various ways. The point is to engage <laughs> the corporate stakeholders. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, the real highlight of this, though, is that uh, teeing up this announcement of these 12 corporations, the 12 apostles of the public private oh that they God. were going to bring into Central America... <laughs> to do quote-unquote development what could go wrong harris said and i quote we must think beyond government <laughs> yes <laughs> so oh, yeah. oh so good. man and that's you know what we're going to be doing all of today it's all so day good. Yeah. all day you know what they say there is no such thing as sobriety so um, <laughs> Welcome to the Death Panel. To support the show, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. Patrons actually get access to all of our weekly bonus episodes, but our patron episode this week was especially good. We had Harsha Walia on to talk about border governance and sort of the history of border regimes. And we also got into this great paper on public health in Palestine. So highly recommend. Yeah, good one. Patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. So uh, I didn't, I didn't expect... <laughs> Here we are. We have a doozy of a of a topic today. Something I, that I didn't have to expect to have to return to with such uh seriousness. Seriousness, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Um here here we are. The lab leak hypothesis has become a hot topic. It has bubbled up to the sort of top of the priority list for mainstream liberal pundits this week. Um, so we're we're back to talk about this COVID B plot that's got a whole new resurgence behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So like what 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 brought this on? Like why why is this now like every uh you know newspaper I open this is like it's not maybe like front page necessarily, but it's certainly towards the top. Like why why now? Right. Why is well, this now being reinvestigated? So well contextually two things happened or it's the the resurgence is mainly focused from these two articles in the Wall Street Journal, one of which one of which is sort of reheating 
bolder uh, ideas about a specific researcher at the Wuhan Institute of Virology uh, and, you know, whether they were doing sort of um, gain of function research on different coronaviruses Mm -hmm. and things like that and scaremongering about the about the specific cave I guess um, that oh, we'll, we'll get into this, but basically there's this, there, there are two wall street journal articles. One, I think, which has featured most prominently is, is the other one, which is this assertion based on in the now very familiar flashbacks of post nine 11 unnamed government sources, unnamed, you know, intelligence, uh, intelligence leak or whatever right, says right. Uh, as of November, 2019, a couple of, uh, people who were working at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, uh, this like research lab in in Wuhan, I guess, had flu-like symptoms, cold or flu-like symptoms of something a couple like a mm-hmm. month before COVID nineteen was um, officially you know recognized or whatever. Right, but with, with no but... with no direct tie to it being that they had COVID nineteen. So right, yeah. So this, but this is this is then uh, sort of reignited this sort of shit storm of liberal uh, punditocracy, and it has sort of paved the way for a bunch of sort of reexaminations. I guess I would say, um, allowing this to become yeah. I don't I don't know this like yeah. sort of sort of mainstream. Well, I don't know. It possibly could be kind of uh, kind of. St- Stance. There's a lot of speculation. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's let's like let's dissect this a little bit because I think the sense that that people are making out of this that I've read is something along the following lines, which is that uh, there were some assertions about this in in uh, early 2020, largely by China hawks, uh, largely by people like Tom Cotton. They were covered, uh, I guess, dismissively in, in, in the words of uh, some of these pundits. And uh, the they were sort of discussed in the media as like quasi-conspiracy theories or conspiracy theories. And then um, now, oh, there's some like intelligence that, that might suggest, might suggest that uh, there's more credibility to this theory uh, than we would have thought. And like, and isn't this an important comment about why, you know, the Twitter uh, approach to like tracking facts is is so uh, is so flawed that, uh, OK, you know, there was this sort of cons- mock consensus or fake consensus then and and now, oh, you know, oh, surprisingly, there's some new intelligence and like, oh, maybe those people who were, you know, seen as kind of fringe figures uh, back in the uh, early 2020, like, oh, maybe they were right. Now, I, I think that this is like very naive media criticism uh, for a variety of reasons. The main reason is that it treats this, the the whole puzzle here or the mystery as if it's really a mystery that (laughs) will, number one, ever be like solved to anyone's satisfaction. Um, And and that like what we're really after here is some like Sherlock Holmes, like we're going to like get to the bottom of where coronavirus came from, as if that's really what this is about. And I, I think if you if you really think that this is that the whole debate here is about is it did it come from like uh, an animal or did it come from the lab? I think you're missing the way that this issue has played in geopolitics and what it means for geopolitics because the issue and and the the reason that sort of this came about, I think, and, and got circulated among like China hawks was never the question of 
animal versus lab, I think it was about intentionality versus accident, right? Or, or, uh, sort of inadvertent or, or, uh, natural cause, I guess. Right. And I think that like to, to, to just sort of collapse the sort of like empirical question into like, oh, was it in the lab or did it come from like the, uh, the market that, that just like misses like the way that China Hawks have tried to like leverage this issue and like what it means in geopolitics. So then it just becomes for like, like pundits, like Iglesias or whatever. And he's, he's not the only one, obviously it just becomes this like rumination on, um, oh, isn't it sad how facts don't mean anything? Or isn't it sad how like we can't reserve judgment? <laughs> I, I mean, that's not at all what this thing has ever been about. And if you think that like, I, I mean, may, maybe these people need to read more existential detective fiction and less detective fiction, because <laughs> like at the end of the day, this this will never like there will be no like resolution on what actually happened because this this event has always played out in a geopolitical domain. Right. And I think it's also really important to just it might be like an obvious point, but just to say plainly, it doesn't actually matter where COVID came from. Right. Knowing where COVID came from tells us nothing about how COVID played out as a pandemic. Right. Because it's like the I think part of it is this sort of uh, it's this romantic thinking, right? The the Chates, the Iglesias, the Silvers, they're sort of engaging with like where is COVID from? What's its origin? If I could understand its origin, then I could understand what went wrong. But the fact of the matter is, is that where COVID came from and who and how and why COVID, you know, got to the level of community spread where it was able to become a pandemic doesn't actually really say anything about how the pandemic played out, because it's not about how the virus got to pandemic level that that is a discussion of what went on over the past year. It's about what were the decisions that were made once the pandemic was happening, right? Right, and, and so, focusing on it as this sort of pedantic shell basically obscures right, right, it's that, a very, the actual political issues of like, look how deeply things were mishandled, fucked up, and you know, and how and how much like blood is on the hands of the state. Right, right, exactly. And like knowing the the origin of the pathogen, right, like tells us nothing. Right. It doesn't tell us anything. It, the, the virus is not the reason we had a pandemic. Our our social relations are the reason we had a pandemic. Our state are the reason we had the pandemic, not just the biological entity itself that happens to be the virus that's going around. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I feel like, you know, if we're, you know, in this moment where I think things are returning to normal, this is actually one way in which we can see that happening as well, which is that there are so many different lessons that one could take from this for public policy or for international institutions or for like, you know, exactly what you would do as as states or as states in an international sort of global world system you, you would do differently. But instead, what is happening is this is a, a reversion to fairly standard, fairly cookie cutter, like U.S. China uh, hawkery. And and I think what's what's absurd to me, really absurd to me, is the way that the kind of like pundit brain is just almost like just predisposed to to, to go in for it and to not say, right. like, oh, yeah. yeah, maybe there is this thing called like foreign policy. And maybe regardless of what happened here, there is a way that we can be talking about this that will just very, very easily uh, feed into this. 
what I think will be probably a much more uh, bellicose like China policy. Like I don't see I don't see this like I don't see this playing out any other way. But like this is just like adding fuel to the fire. And and frankly, it doesn't matter. It actually does not matter from a political standpoint what this you know, committee or uh, report or, you know, intelligence finds as we've as we've seen with any number of other examples of like when intelligence is produced, like it really doesn't matter what it says. What matters is the sort of the object which uh, people can sort of rally around. I'm, like regardless, if, if it says that it's, you know, OK, there's not really conclusive evidence here. That uncertainty is easily exploitable, too. Like that, that's that's precisely where we are. Well, I think we're going a little qu- too quickly into analysis, though. So I think that we should I, I would like to back up, I think, a little bit and just uh, go through really quickly what is actually being asserted here, because yeah, I think I think a lot like even, uh, you know, the shorthand of like lab leak or whatever, right. which has just become just, you know, just like endlessly repeated in media over the last week and in, in politics. I mean, you saw, you know. Um, I think as of yesterday, the Biden administration officially said that they're going to like press for American intelligence uh, agencies to conduct a, you know, intelligence review. Um, So basically, you know, we're going to have if we didn't already, we're going to have spooks like digging around in China, figuring out whatever, doing whatever the shit they usually do. But basically, so when people actually talk about this there, I think I think part of what is happening and part of how this became credulous right like part or how part of how this was like sort of manufactured as a reasonable thing for polite pundit conversation right. to drive into the into the discourse or whatever um was based on the fact that there's kind of i think a um there's like a spectrum i think of what people could possibly mean or allow as like plausible when they talk about the lab leak mm-hmm. um, and this ranges from I think some of the earliest stuff uh, which we had we talked about you know a long time ago uh, as as being just you know totally ridiculous and bogus some of the some of those extreme stuff is like oh it's an engineered bioweapon or whatever and it's you know was developed uh, somehow synthetically or something I mean you know I'm 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 actually overstating some of the kookery that goes on in uh, in a funny way, but like that it was somehow engineered uh, at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and then like willfully released or right, whatever. Like That's kind of like the far right. end of things. Yeah, exactly. And so that led to I think that that sort of like early uh, early thing propelled uh, through a lot of social reproduction, like all over the place led to a lot of the early shutdowns of that saying like, no, 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 this is just a conspiracy theory. Like no one credulous could possibly be, possibly believe this. And then over time, a lot of the like different stances have been tried and you've got this, you've got this kind of range from, if I could just like really briefly list them and I guess we could just talk through like yeah. some of the implications, maybe even actually, I think in a way it helps to talk through the implications of even the most reasonable one right, right. because that's, even that is like so beside the point basically. So the most reasonable one is uh, it was found in a in the wild. A lot of people say, a lot of the people who are bought into this say that they were found in these like abandoned or no longer in use mines that are outside of Wuhan that uh, have a lot of bat species in them that the uh, that researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology do go and collect samples like 
biological samples of different coronaviruses, of which there are thousands, of which there are many, right? right? There are many, many, many coronaviruses. Um, so there are only so many that have been known to cross over into being like a human infection kind of virus, but there are many, many coronaviruses. And this, anyway, so the theory goes that basically the Wuhan Institute of Virology uh, researchers like went into this mining cave got samples uh of this coronavirus and the, uh, that ended up being covid-19 and then and then either through through let's say even in the most reasonable example through some accident or whatever or negligence or, negligence right. or some bullshit the sort of classic yeah. propaganda line of like well you know china like has all this advancement but they're really not that technologically advanced because right. they're you know sloppy messy communists and <laughs> blah 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 yeah. we're, we're not quite to the level yet of the like uh Newman from Seinfeld, like stealing the dino DNA or whatever, and then getting eaten. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not quite to that level of the conspiracy. We're still at like Don't just get some cheap on me, Dodson. We're yeah. brushing, we're brushing elbows. That's but... kind of the next step, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, right. But, but first, you have this, yes, yeah, some some negligence or whatever lacks safety by Through these no fault horrible of their communists. Own. They're just not as good scientists yeah. as white people because white people are the best scientists, which it's is scientifically proven. <laughs> well, which is basically what Tom Cotton suggests. In like his early tweets about it like let let competent international scientists in to see Uh, what the thing is like right right. but the because we we don't have lab incidents in the united states that just never happens never happens right definitely Um, not in maryland but the but um okay so so that's one one the the sort of most reasonable theory right that it was sort of found in the wild or was identified it was became part of the catalog and then some negligence or accident or whatever happened and then it it got released and so they won't and and uh the extension the the by extension the idea is that china won't accept culpability for this or 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 won't research it because it doesn't want to know like some some bullshit whatever the next kind of stage you like get a little further uh out there let's say (laughs) And it is that there's this thing which actually is reported. Uh, this is repeat. This is one of the things that was repeated in one of these Wall Street Journal articles from this week, which is that uh, specifically there's, I guess, some incident from 2012 where uh, some miners got got ill from something in these uh, in this cave. Uh, that thing was sequenced, and the assertion is that it's similar to this, or similar to, or is exactly this. This coronavirus called RATG thirteen, which is which is ninety six, which is the a thing we've talked about like a year ago, which is like ninety six percent similar to COVID nineteen. Um, and people say like, oh, that means that they just did gain of function research on that, and then they they like engineered it through their evil like bad science or whatever or unethical science in some way, and then that became COVID nineteen, ignoring the fact that ninety six percent is still pretty far genetic drift from yeah. Uh, My favorite part about that theory is that the biggest pushback against that theory saying, listen, you know, it probably wasn't um, engineered in the lab because it doesn't do a good enough job killing young people. Um, That's that's my favorite part about that stage in the sort of spectrum of lab leak hysteria is that the two sides of that argument are, you know, the evil, nefarious China propaganda and the other hand, which is that, you know, China is incompetent at their evil, nefarious, you know, right. uh, like machinations. It's it's really kind of a beautiful both sides tableau of people showing their whole ass. Yeah. Um, but uh, so then. So, yeah, this so this is kind of like the next step. It's like, well, it still came from the wild in some way, but then it was further manipulated 
and then question mark, which is then it is, is either like still the the idea of like some accident or negligence or whatever. It's like it got flubber. Out, the virus got loose. It got into a basketball arena and multiplied somehow. <laughs> right. oh, that Everybody is the got plot sick. Of flubber. And then <laughs> maybe these people and, just have recently watched Flubber. I think it's quite possible. <laughs> well, or or again, you know, or then you go directly to the Jurassic Park scenario, basically. Maybe not directly that far, because I don't think anyone's asserting that China, like someone at the Wuhan Institute of Virology was trying to like sell the virus or something as a bioweapon. But, you know, to create a viral some, theme park of some kind. <laughs> these obviously right. go next to some sort of intentional uh, release right to some sort of like intentional nefarious release knowing that this would become some sort of viral you know pandemic. A viral pandemic and cause all sorts of disruptions for Listen, whatever this was, reason you know the communists trying to expose uh the contradictions of capitalism that's that's what covid is you know, <laughs> the left made covid um a pandemic right. but uh, and so I think, you know, I think in, in without I mean, without even going too far, that's I think that tells you that shows you the kind of spectrum of because now even that the, this further stuff of like, oh, well, it was some sort of, you know, genetic alteration. I think your 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 Chates, your Kessler's, your Iglesias's of the world, uh, all of which who have published specific who specifically have published articles in the last week, it, it does seem would say like, oh, yeah, there's some decent probability that it was maybe even found in the wild first and then uh it got out because of incompetence or something like that but then now we are also uh getting towards this thing where again you know the the wall street journal running um two pieces one, uh this week one of which is this this one specifically aimed at going up to the line of saying everything presenting everything that they can in order of again this kind of reheated it's all it's like all stuff that has been part of these conspiracy theories basically for like for the better part of the last year, but again, repackaged as this, well, it is reasonable to think that this gain of function research could have been doing this. Right. And the reason why this was dismissed, according to a lot of these pundits is in this sort of collapsing of all of these three sort of the spectrum of hysteria over the lab leak hypothesis, right? The, The idea that I think a lot of people who are saying, you know, oh, sit for a second and reasonably entertain this this narrative of and fantasy of science of how this happened, right? And I get like wanting to understand what's going on and and you know trying to make meaning, but this is, you know, manufacturing a fantasy about um about the virus and about what's going on that's like absolutely beside the point. And it's yeah. it's really there's so much back and forth and there's so much confusion. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, it really gives them the like the moment where they're second guessing like, oh, does it actually matter where the virus comes from? You know, like, is that actually more important than the failed U.S. response? Well, it definitely shifts the it definitely shifts the narrative to being like, well, right. this is important. People are, you know, people are talking about it. Clearly, it's like, uh, it, yeah, it becomes this like, well, people want to know as yeah, though it, as though it is really important. Maybe we you know? did collectively, you know, censor uh, Tom Cotton through cancel <laughs> culture, and we have a problem with free speech in this country. Yeah, it's a type of yeah. like uh, poisoning. Well, this is like one of the things we were talking about last week um, when we were uh, discussing off mic, sort of what the what people are going to make of the U.S. response to the pandemic, and like what the imprint uh of 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 like u.s policy will be in sort of popular consciousness and like i think it's entirely possible that this among other things is one way of 
you know, yeah, further just sort of distancing ourselves from the fact that there are still hundreds of people dying every day uh, from the, you know, the fact that like in the midst of um, a sort of resurgence of uh, sort of good feeling about the state of the world that both our initial uh, response to the pandemic and our, you know, current one in a lot of ways is hugely causative of, of many deaths, right? So, but like there are any number of ways of changing the narrative around that. And I'm not saying that this is like, there's no grand plan to do that. It's right, just that yeah. uh, the, the way this, the sort of political economy of attention works really privileges um, the ability of uh, people with, with different agendas to change uh, the narrative in a way that causes us to forget uh, about what the last year has uh, been like. Right. It's a very like if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit kind of approach <laughs> to like trying to assign blame for the uh, just un unspeakable death that I think people have witnessed in the past year. And I totally get that. But I think there's so many things here that are just such obvious contradictions to reality. Right. And I think one right. of them is this sort of like romanticization of like where COVID came from and finding the origins. I mean, there's so much like cultural weight to like origin uh, fantasies and origin stories and the ways that we try and like explain things through looking through like, you know, family trees and family history. Like right. it's just a, it's, it's a loaded area to go towards, right. To try and find the, the source or the origin of something. Well, I think this is where one, I think this is actually where the, the, actual limits of how of how knowledge production is done in our political economy create in themselves huge vulnerabilities and create the opening for things exactly like this mm -hmm. because one of the lines that you see repeated over and over um by by sort of proponents of the lab leak theory but also uh by just in general by a credulous uh by sorry not credulous but by you know media sources sort of reporting on it and then straining their own credulity in order to or <laughs> or let's say trying to practice credulity by saying you know people say like oh this isn't this isn't the truth but then lab leak proponents or people who who say that like um at the very least it needs to continue to be subject to further study right so for example like in the new york times uh, just just the other day in the uh, I think yesterday in the in the article where they were talking about how Biden or how the Biden administration had uh, had decided finally to push its intelligence uh, agencies to to investigate the the origins. Um, they use they literally use the term. I'm just going to quote directly from it. Quote, many believe many scientists believe that a so-called natural spillover from animal to human remains the most plausible explanation. So already you're basically so loaded, right? You're, you're like treating this thing. It, it's very much like, I think, um, I think Angela Rasmussen used the analogy to like climate change denial. Mm -hmm. It's like the, yeah. it is, it is very similar to like, uh, I believe it's real, way, but I don't believe we're doing anything, but yeah, that, that well, sort of, <laughs> And also the way that the way that something which is not actually subject to that much scientific debate, like there, it's pretty much a consensus that like, oh, sure, theoretically, you could, I guess maybe this could have happened. But the most plausible scenario is what happens all the fucking time, which is that viruses just like right. mutate all the time and spill over into human populations. The other thing, though, is that then so following this immediately, uh, not just in this Times report, but like it, all over the place, there's the assertion like 
even often stories are led with the idea, not to make this about media, but like that it is about the social, this well, you know, yeah. in terms of the social reproduction of, of the lab leak or whatever, it's the idea that, well, you know, but after all of this looking, after all of this looking, we haven't found the definitive first source of the virus, right? right. We haven't found the the initial thing out in the wild uh, that that spilled over directly. We haven't found the the smoking gun, as it were. And I'm sorry, like, first of all, the ob- the very obvious problem with that is I think so much of this, again, credulity seeking, assumes that we know so much about the world and assumes that we are actively surveilling so much of the world. It assumes that we have so much more money put into scientific research than we even get close to. Right. It's like the the idea of the investment in science, I think that some people entertain as a popular imaginary is the idea that like every science operation is funded like JPL. Well, if you look at JPL, (laughs) even JPL is they never have money. JPL never has money. Like JPL has no money. Science is underfunded. Like these NIH grants are not going to, you know, crazy mad scientists building a bond lair in Hong Kong to create, you know, like a virus to defeat capitalism. Like, no, that's fucking like crazy. Yeah. But but also like it's the idea. It basically rests on the idea that we have an accurate genetic picture that somehow we are like sequencing uh, like every fucking virus known (laughs) Not even known. Every fucking virus, like something uh, happens biologically on, every, on the planet. Right. U.S. knows about right. it. Like we have some fucking <laughs> perfect catalog of every pocket of viral material throughout, at a minimum, Southeast Asia. Uh, not to mention just China, like throughout, but certainly like the idea is that throughout, throughout, I don't know what Hubei province where, where uh, Wuhan is that throughout Hubei province at the very least, if not throughout Southeast Asia, that like anywhere where there's like a little pocket of bats or other fucking animals that could have, that could have been like an intermediary to, to this uh, natural spillover that like, we just know that we would be able, that we would even be able to find it, that we, that there isn't a chance that like, it's just like who that who fucking knows like who it doesn't and again this finding the origin point doesn't matter right like what are you gonna what like but but here's what i think finding the origin point represents as a quest to some of these pundits right you know you have the idea that i think is really difficult to ignore or re-narrativize in a way that supports the kind of like yimby um dc freaks that that like make their living on like manufacturing these opinions and manufacturing and maintaining these debates for power right because it provides cover for power and it provides cover and allows people to delay you know dealing with stuff because then the white house has to you know spend the afternoon they get to like bump whatever else is on their schedule to make a whole announcement like yeah we're gonna ask the cia to give us a report in 90 days and again not not in a conspiratorial way like in 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 like a parasite host relationship kind of way right exactly (laughs) this is just kind of like the ebb and flow of like media right and like we get very caught up in these things and that's that's fine but like what's really going on here is you, in a lot of ways you have this like very plain issue that's difficult to reconcile which is the fact that we made decisions to prioritize economic health over public health and that had some pretty devastating results and i think a lot of people are having um 
a hard time trying to to understand like why that happened. And you know what feels a lot better to think about rather than thinking, you know, if you're someone like Matt Iglesias, who you've built your whole career on, on being the person who like knows that capitalism is right and knows the right way to do it. And, you know, has all these like smart, right ideas. Right. So like, how do you reconcile that picture of yourself with the fucking devastation of what COVID's done under our economic reality right so so the w- the best way to do that is reframing it into something that feels way more comfortable which is that right. well it was done to us because capitalism is so great it inspires jealousy which is basically this sort of rhetorical <laughs> flip that a lot of these people are doing is that this is where that propagandist flip goes it's taking you know an indictment of capitalism and saying oh no 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 it's not an indictment of a negative it's actually a selling point of capitalism. Actually, capitalism is so great that everybody hates us and wants it and wants us to fail. Yeah. I mean, I, I keep thinking that, you know, even if we accept the the fiction that, uh, that this is just about people who are, you know, are, you know, just genuinely curious about this is not like a, a you know, a, a capitalist like regime uh, activity of like trying to discover this thing. This is just the regime of curiosity. Just asking questions. We're like, we're just asking questions, right? Listen, I'm just collecting heads for my collection. Well, but the the thing that, the thing that just aggravates me to no end is a lot of the people who are uh, writing about this and talking about this are like political journalists. They're, you know, they, they know that there is such a thing as foreign policy. They know that this question has, an instrumental value, but they somehow just are never curious enough or like they, they, and they present themselves as just being curious. Like, Oh, this like sign. It just reminds me of like every, like, um, every like NPR sort of like story about some scientific debate. It never ends with like, Oh yeah. Here. And here's how it solves. Like, and people just don't disagree and and, and people just don't agree. Right. Oh, and we'll never know. It's, it's complicated. It's, it's, it's irreducibly complicated and so on. But to, to sort of like pretend that you don't know that this is a very, very clever way of instrumentalizing uh, the, you know, w- world's attempt to like re- reckon with the pandemic and like why it happened and like what we might do differently and and transform that into a um, just a, a, a platform for. Uh, like a ludicrously aggressive, like China policy is just, it's just, it's maddening. I mean, it's just like you, you, you either, I mean, you, and the thing is you, they can't be that dumb. So they have to be, they, they, they have to be willfully ignoring it. Right. That's either willfully, either willfully ignoring it or basically, you know, I, I think that some people, like some of the people that we've mentioned so far, would maybe think of it as sort of, you know, patriotically doing their doing their duty to sort of support the cause of whatever the like imperial power that they're, you know, a, a part of, you know, is like seeking to do at any given moment. You know, I do think that people do feel like there are a lot of people who feel like, uh, especially among, I think, the, you know, middle and upper uh, like liberal, liberal pundit class who like feel a, a real feel this real like sort of allegiance to like go along with and promote. I mean, what is 1 billion Americans, the Matt Iglesias book, if not like this idea of, of basically, you know, promoting this national, like nationalist 
power basically mm-hmm. right but and then on but on on top of that even even figures outside of this sort of like liberal wonk sphere the one of the two wall street journal pieces which is so widely cited this week i know that this isn't i want to be i want to be clear like what i'm about to say sounds like a gotcha and it's not exactly one this is you know th- this is like a uh, you can infer what you will from uh from the connection that i'm about to make but i'm not necessarily i'm not necessarily saying that like this is the i'm not i'm not playing smoking gun here exactly but for instance like one of the wall street journal uh articles this week w- that was so uh popular in sort of re-promoting or promoting within uh like liberal prestige circles or whatever for the first time the credulity of the lab leak theory uh the article specifically about how you know again unnamed government sources say that a couple of uh, workers at the wuhan institute of virology got sick in november 2019 that article one of the co-authors one of the main authors is a man named michael r gordon if that name sounds familiar to you at all, it is because in 2002, Michael R. Gordon was the co-author of the famed New York Times article that highlighted that Iraq had aluminum tubes that were to be used for a nuclear program. Um, His co-author, Judith Miller, was basically fired over that yeah. Right. <laughs> when it when it became clear that that was just fucking bullshit again much like the entire operation that like the the times did abetting oh, but the bush are you regime engaging in cancel culture right now by <laughs> right. bringing up i'm happy know. to cancel michael michael r, r. gordon i'll say that <laughs> but like because you know ba- you know so his colleague judith miller basically got, uh, got fired for that and a couple of other uh articles that she wrote but michael r gordon kept writing including very shortly after starting to assert based again on unnamed government sources like unnamed uh, military officials, et cetera, that uh, Iraq was buying nuclear materials from Iran, um, a bunch of just a whole bunch of shit that has since been debunked. It is basically just a bunch of uh, like neocon, like, yeah, I don't know, neo neocon uh, talking point shit. And like, what do you see here? But it's literally it, it's just appears like the same exact fucking playbook from right. before and ironically not ironically and fittingly the same fucking stooges are falling for it because what happened in the iraq war too except for like this is how like matt iglesias of all people like first made his bones right is like oh when basically i saw repeating Eli Lake tweeting these. about it this morning i was like oh, God. right so it's like yeah. the same it's literally you know i'm not saying that this is in intentional in the exact way uh, you know i don't see any uh, unlike these people i'm not willing to say like i i see evidence that it is like uh a some sort of intentional game or some sort of fucking conspiracy to raise this conspiracy as like a mainstream liberal thing i am however saying these are the same this is the same fucking confederacy of dunces that brought us the exact talking points that the bush administration then cited as justification for what they did right right so yeah we have learned nothing there's basically like is what i'm saying decidedly decidedly nationalistic tone to a lot of the support for the lab leak theory and i think one of the best examples of that and i think talking about this sort of connection to like the media production that justified the war on terror is really important because you actually have both sides on that argument as well. And that to me has actually been the sort of most leading, most misleading discourse that's been going on is the sort of back and forth over just exactly how this has connection to the consent manufacturing that we saw at the beginning of the war on terror. So like the Hills, the rising with crystal ball and cigar has really taken lab leak as a sort of like 
pet issue for the past couple of weeks like well, they, I, they paused from their regular coverage of uh the cancel culture is <laughs> uh bringing the race war closer yeah to it's sort of like cigar has this new rant i want america to win and you know china's lying to us and for america to win like i want us to like dominate the foreign sphere so we need to find out what's really going on here and and one thing that's really interesting is that he's actually been comparing it also to the sort of WMD canard from the beginning of the war on terror, but in a totally different way. And I've seen a lot of people get confused about this because if you, you know, if you look at the headline or if you look at the title, you know, the tease on the YouTube clip of of Cigar saying basically like, I want the U.S. to dominate China. (laughs) And I think lab leak theory gives us entree to dominate China in a way that, you know, is really urgent because of COVID, um, the headline says, like, you know, Cigar compares uh, lab leak cover-up to WMDs. But basically, what he's actually saying is that the, you know, the media lied again just the same way that they lied about WMDs. So he's comparing the cover-up of the lab leak to the proposal that we basically invade, you know, this like... that's what we call irony. Yeah, it's, so. <laughs> it's just such a fucking mess, right? Yeah. No, I, if, if I could say anything about The Rising, it's uh, you know, when it first aired, if you're like, oh, you know, a different path, a different <laughs> path in American politics. Like, yeah, you know, there's nothing but paths, but you got to think about where they lead. That one just leads to uh, a desert with like a little cattle skull and a little like dead covered wagon and just like wind blowing over dry bones that's like that's that's all i can think hell of. yeah it's the rise yeah um that is what they that's that's what they do if you put on the they live glasses that's what that show looks like actually <laughs> true story um though uh, so i think I, I do think, though, um, again, you know, we, we've mentioned these two articles and I think that, you know, you're going to see this, you're going to see stuff from them. I mean, I'm sure you've already seen stuff from them all over the place. So I think it's actually worth going into actually some of how, first of all, the one that Michael or Gordon uh, put together that I was just mentioning, the one about the one about workers in um, at the Wuhan Institute of Virology getting uh, getting sick with cold or flu like uh, symptoms in in November 2019, which is um, a month before the first sort of like recognized official, uh, you know, known quote unquote case of COVID-19 in humans. First of all, acknowledged within that, but then kind of never repeated really, especially if you're trying to make the lab leak argument is the fact that these workers never tested positive for COVID-19. Obviously, there wouldn't have been a test then, but like they've been tested. They don't have uh, antibodies or anything like that. There's no there's no like sign that it was COVID-19. They could have just been like regular flu like symptoms. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where I mean, they work in a virology lab. They're most likely like, frankly, the class of person who's able to just like go to the doctor as is common practice to just like uh, right. as, a, as is common practice. Um, Actually, one point that's been made is like the fact that they went to the hospital. Uh, it's actually pretty common practice. So that's to what go. you just do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. to just that's, do that's that in point. China. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Imagine that. Uh, <laughs> right. Imagine just being able to go to the doctor if you needed to. Um, but, and then, but beyond that, okay, let's say let's again, let's strain credulity for a second and imagine that, that they did have COVID-19, right? Okay. So you're saying that it is somehow a smoking gun that like a couple of people who worked 
together at literally wherever, but you know, they happen to work at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The couple of people who worked in close proximity to each other maybe had uh, a virus which was first only really, uh, you know, identified and cataloged about a month later, right? Mm-hmm. Only again, only a month later in the same city, right? Like these are people who live in the Wuhan. City. Like these are people who live in the, the city. It is entirely <laughs> plausible, especially given what we know from like the last year of the sort of timeline of, uh, you know, infection to getting ill to potentially being hospitalized or dying from COVID-19 is, you know, not a not a particularly short window. It's entirely plausible to just imagine, OK, that this wasn't even this wasn't accurately identified immediately also, obviously like, right this right. is not this is not contagion featuring you know gwyneth paltrow we're right. not going to have a 15 minute intro sequence showing us the moment that humanity made a mistake and that first person who right. you know through their fault and vice and you know moral failings as a person is case one that's not how shit works right that is a romanticized narrative well right but beyond that okay even again straining credulity to say that they did have COVID 19 which there is like absolutely nothing to show that they there's no it, it doesn't it, it it is even like it seems unlikely that they would given what has like tests that have been run or whatever right that they would have had that like even if they did they're still just they're people who live in the community where it first fucking happened i know wuhan is a huge city like you know right. it, it's like a, a giant scale city but still like they are people who were in the same city. Like, I think we're all familiar with the chicken and the egg here. Like, this is not, it is not difficult to, to uh, basically draw a line and say, you can't just say that this is, you cannot say that this is like, oh, that that's a smoking gun that it comes from the lab. Right. Like, I, they I, just live in the same fucking city. I don't think that a lot of this logic would even hold up on Blue's Clues, to be honest. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like, it, it, a cartoon dog has like a higher burden of proof than a lot of these like connections. I mean, that Blue are frequently... He did go through Aristotelian uh, sort of logical <laughs> proofs to to show that he had disco- what he had discovered for Steve. I mean, I think we all know this. <laughs> uh, fair. Um, the second thing that I wanted to bring up, though, is that in the so in the other Wall Street Journal piece, the one about the cave and the Wuhan Institute of Virology, uh, which begins with this um, the whole the whole thing is done in this in this very like. Um, uh, you know, B, you mentioned Contagion, uh, but also in general, it, it's, done, it's done in this like sort of action movie set piece kind of thing where it's like there's some uh, there's there's some secret conspiracy. We sent our uh, we sent our Wall Street Journal reporter uh, by bike to this cave because the the uh, <laughs> the military, the Chinese military was closing off the road exit to this abandoned mine. Uh, and so we sent we sent uh, our Wall full Street Journal reporter piss. by <laughs> right full, full of, of bat. Of no, bat no, no, not just pee. Full, <laughs> not, not, not just that, like full of um, not just that full of bats <laughs> which we know have whatever it's okay bike into we sent, a no, no, biohazard but, abandoned yes. cave so they sent a journalist by bike to the cave who was then i guess apprehended and their pictures of the cave were deleted from their phone and so and this is you know presented as like there's no conclusion drawn from that but clearly the setup is meant to demonstrate this you know all these things that you hear on the in the in united states media about china all the time that they're authoritarian that they mm-hmm. blah 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 uh etc cetera, etc cetera. um anyway 
that that's kind of that's kind of like a sidecar point but that just shows you how it's being set up further though they kind of go in and i want to read this this move that they do which is just such a give i feel like just such a profound logical whiplash so they they talk about the thing that i mentioned before which is that uh they they go into the whole the whole theory about how the how there were some miners who were infected with with a type of virus presumably transmitted by bats in the cave or by some sort of exposure in the cave which gave them SARS like symptoms in 2012 and how it's uh, how then that uh, that sequence is basically the same as the RATG 13 uh, sequence which again is you know a popular uh, facet of this overall conspiracy theory they then go on to sort of explore like well could it have come from the lab then so could could the sample of RATG 13 have been then tested on or or whatever and then turned into the COVID-19 that we know and love right um they then go on to say the following they pull this move first the what what they sort of first say about it which is the information that you would think would preclude this the conclusion that they're about to draw from this and then yeah and then I'll read that so quote RATG13 was genetically very distinct from SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19 and had never been successfully cultured in the lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, if the Wuhan Institute of Virology had only the genetic sequence, it wouldn't have had an infectious RATG13 virus that could have escaped from the lab. So they set up already. They're like, okay, we have to acknowledge. Here is what we know. They didn't even have cultured RATG13 right. that they could that right. like could have somehow escaped or that could have been uh tested on etc which and is then, more meaningful than any other coincidence that that that's used to positively support this fucking lab leak theory you well, know <laughs> listen to the conclusion that they draw from this quote having only the genetic sequence also raises questions about just asking questions also (laughs) raises questions about the extent to which it could have been used as the basis for experiments to create man-made viruses listen i'm not saying come on covid gives you erectile dysfunction i'm just saying that china released the virus to give american men erectile dysfunction (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) exactly no, but you know, do you see what I mean? It's like the, you know, I, th- I think we, I think we talk all the time on the show about how, uh, how this sort of, how to put it, how like cynical knowledge production and like this, like just asking questions frameworks, uh, framework leads to this just total like liberal pundits chasing affect only or whatever. Yeah. And then just kind of saying whatever bullshit comes to mind. But this is, I just feel like, I don't know, this, this whole, this, in particular, this whole last week of this entire discourse has just felt like, really? Like, you guys want well, right, you because, guys were going yeah. there? Yeah, well, well, the way that it's going to go is that because there's really nothing at the core of this, right? Uh, what will make the most sense, or like at the very least, it's there, there's like a level of, of uh, equifinality that like, you know, you pr- prevents you telling a simple story. The simple stories will be the ones that win. And and even if they don't win, because the any sort of idea that there being like a public burden of proof or we would know what the different empirical implications of these different hypotheses right, are, which right. is absurd. Right. 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 So exactly. then what it's going to be is like, which story is the sexiest? And then second, <laughs> um, essentially, it's going to be like the war in Iraq, which is, uh, well, there's intelligence. Right. And we have, right. you know, so 
this this will not end well. No. Yeah. And you know what? It just it reminds me so much of the stories that you sort of like if you read, if you look back at like the uh, accounts of the opium wars that happened in the 19th century where you had the UK sort of like drumming up this like yellow peril fear in order to justify what was essentially like a, a war that uh, was really over trade policy. But they turned it into this like gigantic sort of like moralistic um nationalistic battle and it became this like huge cultural touchstone right within UK and within the United States the US got involved in that war too we don't talk about that very often but you know it's like i think it just reminds me of all these sort of different um moments where you have like just a real resurgence of nationalism that really becomes oriented around this like very sort of like bicameral world power struggle over the morality and future of humanity. And I think that's really kind of just the the narrative that's being set up. Well, and then also, I think importantly, there's still in some of these nested, I think, a sort of defensive posture of why exactly when one would give something like this, like breathing room or whatever, um, but other than the fact, obviously, that I think when you make your career sort of, you know, chasing like wonky nerd prestige uh, and your your project overall is kind of like to put on the aesthetic of being an intellectual worldly person uh, wherein you just basically, you know, again, chase affect and, and reproduce harm. But they the the sort of the couched defensive posture is even 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 the even the sort of justification is is kind of gross because they then a lot of these people then say like well we have to know we have to dial down into this and figure out if it was in fact a lab leak or if it was genetically engineered in some way and if then China is lying about it because we have to know for the purposes of whether we should then internationally shut down gain of function research, right? Like that, that's, uh, that's certainly Iglesias's big policy right. takeaway. And I think that's a lot of people's, I think that is a lot of people's justification for the, for their just asking questions and very grossly in the, in the post that you're talking about, um, the comparison is made literally to Iglesias says last week I advocated for raising alcohol tax Sorry, I, I advocated for raising <laughs> alcohol taxes. Right. Uh, oh, under the- I just, you know what? Every <laughs> picture of him, he should be wearing a little pilgrim hat and shoes with gold <laughs> buckles and just like a little oh socks. I have to. I have to. I mean, I have to explain this though because I'm. I'm assuming like a lot of people aren't innately going to know what I'm. Uh, what I'm talking about uh, exactly, but the he, he's basically using this argument, which is very popular among a bunch of liberals. I think best exemplified maybe with the, like the Bloomberg uh, soda tax kind mm-hmm. of thing, which is that you basically throw additional taxes on items, uh, you know, which are associated in uh, liberal and bourgeois uh, pundit and policy minds as being purchased by uh or or sort of unethically consumed by the poor right the sort of um, specter of contributing to the epidemic right. of obesity well, in america it's uh it's the nudge economics idea exactly. it's incentivize it's like uh disincentivizing alcohol the idea that you will create a healthier populace not by any sort of you know, proactive, positive, uh, social program or social welfare, but instead by, 
adding additional taxation onto things that you, uh, you know, again, associate with like the depraved poor or something like that. I just that. wish you know that I, mean? I could like and so the, have a life so comfortable that I see like statistics about the rising cost of chronic kidney disease and think to myself, we need to tax alcohol. I, I keep returning to this question of like, what does it mean that this conversation is happening now? You know, what it, like, what does this actually mean? Big picture. Like, what's the bottom line of this conversation? Like, obviously, like we could think about like where it's going to go or what it could become, you know. But uh, for me, I think the thing is like, it's hard to find like a takeaway from this conversation. It's hard to find a takeaway from like engaging with the, the lab leak discourse because it is just such a morass. It's such a, a time suck and a concentration of terrible opinions. And it just, it, you know, it, it has this like dominance right now in, in the media that I think is just, it's very reminiscent of the sort of reasons that we use to justify all sorts of really aggressive international policy. Like I'm just thinking of like leading up to sanctions in Iran, right? The way that sort of discourse just builds to this like pitch where it becomes this like oppressive single line in the media of, you know, like we've got to go get China because China lied about the Wuhan lab like that, I think, is a very worrying future that we're looking at right now. Yeah, I mean, there are no takeaways from the discourse itself is the point. But I think there are plenty of takeaways from uh, the yeah. position of it in the popular imaginary, which I think, again, it is it is unsurprising to me that especially this would emerge among in particular the sort of bourgeois liberal pundit class that it is now clearly living rent free in the minds of at particularly a time when I think they all still kind of like have COVID on the brain. But I think from their perspective, it's like mission unironically, unironically it is mission accomplished. It is mm-hmm. like right. the vaccines no, have changed the game, et cetera. They don't have to worry about the pandemic. No, but I think, I think what's interesting to me is like you reading this uh, so much can forget what terrain it's playing out on and, and and how these issues and how the particular forms of expertise emerge uh, that that have like a social value. And I, I think that what the, the terrain that these people are most comfortable on is is a sort of a terrain that's really about uh, on the one hand, uh, disputes about like how how we know things and uh, who who should be the gatekeepers. Uh, of that knowledge. And COVID had a way of disrupting that. Um, it had a way of like challenging a lot of the uh, sort of the basic tenets on which this particular class of people um, kind of operate. Uh, and this is like a really, really nice uh, return to form for them. It's like, okay, we can now go back to talking about like uh, why, you know, uh, why it's, it's bad if, 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 if like we're, we're talking about, uh, things that are uh, problems in the U S uh, we can, we can go back to like having a, uh, a good familiar foreign enemy that's like healthy for people. There's like a noble lie quality to, to a lot of this. And I think right. that like COVID and, and in general, the sort of like rising to some extent distrust in popular distrust in like expertise is like a huge problem for these people. 
Um, and this is like, I don't know, in a way it's like the ideal issue because there's a lot of unknowables, you know, there's, uh, various like perceptual screens, uh, that have to be like set up to, to interpret these things. Um, this is, this is their, um, this is their like return to form. Yeah. I mean, one thing that, that you were saying that really hits really hard is this, this idea that people are trying to reassert the narrative back into this like space of comfort, which I think for a lot of these pundits who especially came to prominence during the Bush era, during this sort of moment where in the media you had cable news exploding, talking head shows exploding, the sort of uh, teasing out of nuance became like a professionalized performance that started to become more dominant. I think what you really see is people like Iglesias, people like Chate, and you know, and the Glenn Kesslers of the world really saying, you know what, I'm I'm sort of uncomfortable with um, dealing with the idea that the political economy that I have treated as such a law of nature could have anything to do with this. And so I think there's this sort of desperate searching from one topic or another to look exactly the opposite way from an indictment of sort of any sort of economic forces that could be contributing to what's going on or that could have been, you know, actually the reason why the deaths were so bad or deaths were disproportionate in one population. It's the same sort of game that I think you see a lot of people do that we talked a lot about on Monday, actually, which is where you sort of study a problem and you talk around a problem. And then you, in doing that, just sort of assert this comfortable space where everything's taken out of its urgency. And it's just this space for sort of back and forth armchair discourse. And and what does it actually do? But really materially divorces what's going on from from people's lives, right? It's sort of taking COVID and and really thrusting it into this like space that's really inaccessible. Yeah, the 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 politics without stakes is the ideal like bourgeois form of politics. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which just shows that I think the a lot of the people kind of giving giving this uh idea room right now are, you know, again, people who kind of think the stakes are gone or think that uh, if there such as there are stakes that it's some sort of uh, geopolitical, like some existential geopolitical tug of war between the United States and China or something. People right. who like, I mean, a, a lot of this is couched even in the idea that that the original SARS outbreak was, I'm not even kidding, <laughs> was exacerbated by China's focus on economic issues over public health issues Mm. that they did not sort of act quick enough on the original SARS in order to sort of protect their economy. And I think that, you know, you can't see a, a, a a pure demonstration of how like the ideology bubble that they're in just like will shield them from any sort of like self-reflection about whether this is the case for the United States at all. When you see that as like, this is, this is, you know, for a lot of people, I think the justification of why, you know, regardless of how on their face, both incredulous and again, meaningless, all of these questions are how that is still, well, we have to ask these questions because if we don't, then I don't know, China will win somehow or China will have America won't be dominant. You know, pulled the wool over our eyes on some epic, uh, you know, catastrophe that they somehow engineered or that the, or that their 
I mean, really, really the, the almost the more insidious thing now is that the, the, the less sort of exotic of those options that we laid out that we walked through, right. The, the sort of, well, you know, they found it, they cataloged it. And then there was some sort of accident, right. That most sort of, um, either most sort of, you know, quote unquote plausible scenario or that, that more, you know, uh, quote unquote reasonable, I suppose, uh, perspective itself, like sets, sets a very specific tone, which is, well, clearly China's model of governance is not working out for it <laughs> because, you know, they had this, uh, their, 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 you know, negligence or incompetence or, or whatever, uh, caused by their ideology, you know, created this global crisis and thus we must intervene or whatever, you know, it's obviously the, there are a million ways that the, that this particular ideological battle is, you know, is being constructed, but I think this is just one of the most absurd. Yeah. Yep. Many paths, all the same, very bad ending. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. I mean, at least the one small, you know, I guess, takeaway condolence and bright side to this is that at least the conspiracy theory about the origins of COVID that took off was not the one about it coming from space in asteroids. <laughs> right. Fair. You know, small victory there, small concession. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it for today. Become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. You'll get access to all of the bonus episodes and support our work. And as always, Medicare for all now, solidarity forever, stay alive another week.